Don't forget, we're doing the purple book. If you don't have a purple book, someone actually donated last year to pay for all of these purple books. And so uh, back there on the, on the little kiosk as you go out, you can pick one up for yourself and you can have that. If you're men in here, I want to invite you to our, our Thursday at 6 a.m. starting February 2nd. We're meeting at Athens Cafe and we're going to start, we're going to pick up chapter four here in the purple book and we're going to continue on from there it's not going to be one huge group we're going to break into small tables and so it's all organized but i'll need to know you'll need to register 6 a.m every thursday athens cafe that's all you need to know today you'll forget everything else all right so we're in our series and it's called braveheart Okay, we're talking about having freedom, and it takes a little bit, a bit of a brave heart to really pursue and break out of the bondages of, of life that have held us back for so long. And it really takes a lot of courage, strength, courage, and honor. It takes all of those things to really pursue all that God has for us. And so we've been talking about several things. This is week three. Week one, we, we taught you how to identify strongholds. We taught you that according to the Word of God, uh, we identified them. And then we find what God's truth is. Sometimes he's speaking to us about scenarios, uh, how, what really happened in that situation, maybe a lie we believed, whatever the situation was, and then, or it's in his word, and we apply his truth as our new truth. And then everything that we do, all the decisions, we live out of that. Well, that's the basic concept. But then week two, we showed you uh, some of the major strongholds that people deal with, yes, and even in the church. And one of those was unforgiveness. And a spirit of unforgiveness comes in when we have unforgiveness in our lives, and it sets up a stronghold. And there are many attributes that are around that. And then we, talk, we, we talked about anger. We talked about, we talked about um, uh, independence and pride. We talked about excessive loneliness and shyness. Uh, we talked about uh, seven different little perimeter strongholds. And then we talked about the spirit of rejection as well. Those are, those are really powerful, powerful strongholds that unfortunately people in the body of Christ carry around, live out of, deceived in bondage, thinking they are right in their mannerisms and their ways of thinking. But all the while, all the while Satan is masquerading like an angel of the light, showing up in your, in your difficult times to comfort you as if he's the Holy Spirit comforter. Oh, can you believe what they said to you? I can't believe she did that to you. I can't believe he treated you that way. You know what? They don't deserve you anyway. Those are the voices that we oftentimes listen to to comfort us. We believe lies. Now there's a stronghold in that area, and then we live out for decades, decades. And we wonder why relationships are having issues and struggles. Well, I wanted to get you set free from some of those, or at least recognize some of those, so that you don't throw tomatoes and, and cans at me today. Because without those being set free, boy, you're really going to be shocked by this one. <laughs> but we're talking about mammonless, mammonless. And so according to Jesus, there are only two spirits that we listen to, the Holy Spirit and mammon. Which is, which is always connected to material things. And so I'm going to get into it in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. We've been reading this as, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Now, let me just remind you, we are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle. And though you choose, it's a spiritual battle for your lives. And though you may choose not to partake in this battle, it doesn't mean that the battle goes away. It just means that you choose to lose the battle. Understood? It's going to exist. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish these said strongholds. A stronghold, again, is an enemy of, where the enemy of our soul has legal ground in our lives and is constantly plaguing us about a scenario. Man, I was doing so good until this. Oh, they were just, I thought they were going to, they had it this time. They were doing so great until this. They were doing just, it was just so wonderful until here they go again. Oh, here she goes again. Oh, here he goes again. And you know those people. And those, if you're not raising your hand, you're probably like, I am that person. <laughs> we all have those. And, and, and I mean, we all have those, and we have to identify those and overcome those. And so uh, we also, it says we demolish arguments and every pretension. These are things that argue against the Word of God. They're little, they're little lies in our head that we believe, and we've set, maybe somebody's taught us, and this is the way mom and daddy did it, this is the way my granddaddy did it, and this is the way I'm going to do it. Whatever it is, some of you are laughing because you're, that's how I live. That's my religion, granddaddy and daddy. But we demolish every argument and every pretension. A pretension is something that says it pretends to have more power than the power of God. It's a lie that we've believed, we've made it the truth, and it's, it is so big and powerful in our minds that it, has, it pretends to be bigger than our God. Well, guess what we do? We, it's anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we take it captive, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Oh, that's a lie that, that I've been believing, or that's something, well, I don't believe that, Pastor. Well, I'm sorry, the Word of God says it. You get to decide if you're going to be in bondage or if you're going to be set free. Fair? All right, I just want to be clear with you. So we demolish every, every argument and pretension. So the way we defeat these strongholds, we've got to identify them, and then we've got to find God's truth, and we've got to wrestle in our soul and our mind, and we've got to figure out why am I refusing to honor God and trust God and obey God in this, and why do I continually go there? Identify that piece, get, that, get set free from that piece, may have to get a little bit of deliverance so that I can come under the authority of the truth of God's word and be blessed. Well, the part of this is to be mammon-less, you've got to understand that money lies. Money has a voice. Your money in your pocket talks to you. Your money in your bank account talks to you. The money that's on the way to you for the district you're going to be working for talks to you. I'm going to show you a clip from Braveheart. It's, a very, it's the same clip as last week, but I'm going to do a, a different perspective on this week's version of it. So here, here the English are being defeated by the Scots finally, and William Wallace is leading the Scots into this battle, and he has set it up with the other clans leaders who are off to the side. He's saying, hey, whenever I wave the flag, 
like ponchos. You rose the flag whenever you wanted some more food. Like whenever I wave the flag, <laughs> when I wave the flag, y'all come on. We're going to destroy these people. The king's there. We're going to take him out. It's done. Scotland has their freedom. They don't have to be in bondage, enslaved, and bothered by the English anymore. It was set up. But these two clansmen sold out their freedom for land, for material items, for money to the king of Scotland. I mean, sorry, the king of England so that, so that they could have money, but they sold out their freedom. And, and this is the sad part. So many of us do the same thing. So much of the church sells out its freedom for the sake of material goods. Uh-oh. And Jesus has a lot to say about this, so you better you hear it from him than me. Luke 16, 9 through 13 says, And I say to you, this is Jesus talking, Make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. This is one of three times you're going to hear this. That when you fail, meaning this is means when you die, that's what this word saying it is, they may receive you into an everlasting home. What he's saying is, use that unrighteous mammon, that mammon that you have in your wallet, in your bank account, Use it for the sake of others to lead them to, to God, the king, lead them to him, so that when you actually make it to heaven, you'll, they'll be greeting you in heaven. You're making your friends by using, a, using money according to his purposes in his way. He says this, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So there's a stewardship responsibility that God is watching and how you handle money really matters to God. Therefore, he says, if you have not been faithful in righteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? He, it's a test. Second time you see that you'll see mammon right here. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, and that's, that's an interesting line. So you have some things that, that belong to someone else. According to Jesus, if you've not been faithful with what is another man's, there's some things that are in your possession, but they're not in your own ownership. And God has trusted you with possessing them to see how you'll steward them to see if you really can handle your own. Oof. Who will give you what is your own? You'll only have your own once you've been tested and proven with what belongs to another. He says, no servant can serve two masters. And this is where he breaks it down. Jesus is saying, and literally in all of your thoughts, it's one of two servants, one of two masters that you're serving. One or two thoughts that are on your mind that are, that are controlling your beliefs, that are motivating, inspiring, uh, 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 altering your beliefs. One of two. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both, and here it is, God and mammon. It's the last time you, heard, you hear that word. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And Jesus is saying you're either serving one or you're serving the other. You choose. And how you handle the one, how you handle the worldly, unrighteous mammon will dictate who you're serving. This word right here, mammon, is literally... In the New, in the new English, uh, new, new International Version, it actually is translated money. But it, it's actually a transliterate, transliterated word from the Greek. It's mammonus. Mammonus, we take the word mammon from mammonus. This actually is an Assyrian uh, god of riches. 
It came out of Babel, which is how you, heard, you hear Babylon later. Babel actually means confusion. So this spirit comes from a place of confusion. This God is birthed out of confusion. Babel on is where you see later. This is where you see the Tower of Babel. God came and he mixed everybody up. Babel on, on means to sow. So literally, it's sown in confusion. Babylon means to be sown in confusion. So this spirit comes from a place of confusion. In fact, it causes confusion. Here's how it causes confusion. Because every time you get paid, you're confused on what you should do with it. <laughs> should I tithe or should I go somewhere and do something, buy me a new car? Should I? You're confused. And there's the battle right there. It starts right there. Two spirits coming in. Holy Spirit is trying to guide you so he can bless you. The spirit of mammon is trying to confuse you. But let me tell you how much Jesus loves this talk. He says in 16 of 38 parables, they were concerned about how we handle money and, and possessions. In the Gospels, one out of ten, a tenth of the Gospels, a tenth, one out of ten, 288 verses talked about money. A tenth. You think that's by happenstance? No. The, the Bible also offers 500 verses on prayer, 500 verses on faith, and more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Mammon, again, it has confusion all over it. So Jesus, knowing this and knowing his audience, knew that he was going to have to speak over this spirit of mammon that's confusing the people of God. It's mass confusion. In fact, it's like this. If you take the government's way of doing, uh, handling money and stewarding money, if you use that on a, per, a personal level, uh, it would be like borrow, uh, making $50,000 a year, spending $80,000 a year, and borrowing $200,000 a year. It doesn't make any sense. And then doing that over and over and over, thinking that things are going to change. Well, the government has great intentions. However... Their decisions are all based on finance. And when decisions are based on finance, then confusion is in its place, and we don't make wise decisions. Therefore, stewardship can't handle, can't steward the, uh, money, wealth, anything toward God's way. So money is never neutral, and it's ne ne it either has a spirit of God on it or a spirit of mammon. My money, your money, our money has one of two spirits. And how you handle it dictates which spirit is going to be on that money. So let me, give you, uh, which, let me give you a couple of things that you need to know about the lies of money. Number one, money will make me secure. Well, let me just tell you, whenever, whenever, God, whenever God is, God's, money, God's spirit is on your money, it's used for his purposes, it's, spent, it's used his ways, and it's never more important than he is, Okay? Money will make me secure. We even come up with these terms like, I'm just looking for financial security. I just want financial, we just want to be financially secure. Well, that's great. However, the problem is, instead of you having money, money has you. Because my dependency is on how I, steward, how I, how I spend or how much money I have, rather than how am I stewarding money according to God's way. There's the big difference. One has God's blessing on it. One has your efforts on it. Proverbs 18, 11 says, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They think nobody can get to them. I'm good. I got stacks upon stacks of $100 bills. I got a wall, a fortified city of $100 bills. I'm good. 
The wealth is your fortified, is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. Let me just say, I'd rather God be my protector than me having to be my provider. It always, it's always going to require a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, a little bit more, and it's ever-changing. Spirit of man is always trying to get you to, there's a little bit more. You just need a little bit more. Proverbs eleven twenty eight 28 says, whoever trusts in his riches might fall, will fall. But whoever, whoever, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. If you read in 21 Days of Prayer, you got a link this morning for James 2. And it, at the very bottom, some of the last three verses, it talks about Abraham was counted righteous because he trusted God. And by the way, he's our father of faith. And then it says Rahab, the prostitute, was counted righteous because she gave. And then right under that, it says faith without works is dead. Can I tell you, when God is talking about faith, he's talking about all areas of our faith. He's talking about when it comes to emotions. He's talking about when it comes to mental, when it's talking about relationships, spiritual, financial, every area. And if faith is not being practiced with deeds, then it is dead. We can agree with him over here and disagree with him over here, and guess what? It's dead. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. I'm oh, sorry, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you nor forsake you. So, I, so we, have, we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And if God be for me, then who be against me? Sometimes we get confused. If I have enough money, then nobody can be against me. But if God be for me, then who be against me? You know when God's for you? When you're for his ways. But Mammon says, no, 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 I have something else for you. We can do more. Lie number two is this, money will make me significant. So Mammon also causes you to get your identity wrapped, wrapped around whatever material possession that Mammon is, is trying to lure you towards. If I just had more money, if I just had better clothes, if I just had a better car, if I just had a bigger house, if I just had, it, it all has your identity wrapped around it because you're thinking through this paradigm, if, if I had better clothes, then people would respect me and they would accept me. If I had a better, better car, then people would see me and they would hold me in high esteem. They would honor me. It's all identity based around material things, and it's the spirit of mammon that's causing confusion. Because when the favor of the Lord is upon you, that's when people will favor you. Luke 12, 15 says, Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Money is trying to get you to trust it or yourself rather than God. There's a constant competition between the two. And I tell you, nobody's going to become, come before God. Third lie about money is this. Money will make me happy. Well, if that were true, the wealthiest people in the world would be the happiest people in the world. The fact is, they're often the most miserable people in the world. Never enough. There's always a problem. It's always somebody else. It's always some issue. They tend to be the most miserable because stuff gives you an appetite for more stuff. And you would think it would quench it, but actually it creates more discontent. It's a never-ending black hole. The truth is that the more a person has, the more he or she wants. And Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Those who love money will never have enough. 
How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. Again, God is not saying don't have wealth. Don't hear me in saying that. He's saying don't let wealth have you. In fact, I believe wholeheartedly that God wants to bless you in the area of finance. But he also wants to bless you in the area of emotions and relationships and your mental capacity, your mental ability. He wants to bless your, fe- your physical ability, your, your health. He wants to bless you every area of your life, not just one area of your life. But he also wants you to be faithful in every area of your life, not just a few areas of your life that makes you feel comfortable. Well, God, I showed up at church. Great. You're here. <laughs> so you want to be happy, though? Romans 4, 7, and 8 says this. Happy are those whose sins are forgiven, whose wrongs are pardoned. Happy is the person whom the Lord does not consider guilty. If you've ever done anything wrong, hallelujah on that one. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm going to be a little bit bold for you, though, today. Uh, I was talking with a guy in between service. He goes, I was waiting for that. I was, I, this thing challenges me, it challenges me every year. Well, uh, I was, I was, as I was preparing for this year, I've actually got all the series planned out for the, the first six months. And we always plan a first fruit offering in the month of January. Well, first fruit offering often carries us and it helps us to decide what we can do vision-wise for the rest of that calendar year. Well, this year, as I was preparing how the Lord would like to deliver this, he said, I don't, I, I don't want you to do that. In fact, the first fruit I want them to bring in, I want you to teach them, if they're not tithing, to tithe all year long. And then if they are tithing, I want, I want you to ask them to ask me how much more above the tithe I would like them to give. Okay. So that, that's what we're doing. So your first fruit is, if you're not tithing, trust God, test God. If you are tithing, it's time to get out of religion and start to lean into relationship. Okay, Lord, how much more? How much more? And then trust him and watch him. Can I just promise you this right now? He will reimburse it. In some area of your life, he will reimburse it. And when those areas are are fruitful, then the finances will follow. If he doesn't bring the financial uh, reimbursement first. And how can I say that? I can promise you that. How can I do that? Because it's his word. And he's never left me. He's never failed me. He's never forsaken me. He's never let me down. He's always come through. So I can stand boldly right here and say, if you start to test God, not in religion, but in relationship, through the tithe, I promise you, he will pay for it. So uh, let me give you some heart for the kingdom items that we, uh, we are actually able to take care of last year, if we have that up. If it's working. There we go. And so last year, we, we put this out there and said, okay, here's some vision items for 2023 that we started working on from First Fruits, anything that went towards Heart for the Kingdom, and any other resources we had left over from tithes and offerings. Well, this piece right here was to send students to Highlands College over in Alabama or King's University. We worked with Highlands College. Both, we have two pieces there. We actually have a, a Highlands College Thrive Leadership School on Tuesday nights here, right here. Hey, hallelujah. And then also, we sent out one student student this semester to Highlands College, blessed her out a couple of weeks ago. She's, she's plowing the field. Right here, we were looking for next generation uh, pastor. So we have that. November, as of November, we hired Stephanie as our next generation pastor. But we also, in that same time, we have Pastor Zay for, rose up to be our youth pastor. And then, uh, uh, pa- technically, pastor, pa- pastor Pam oversees our children's ministry. So all this, because we had vision, God began to provide the provision. Can I just tell you, provision is not always just money. 
He provided the provision in those areas to take care of this next generation that's so important to us. And then also we have plans for a Thrive Cafe, a mobile Thrive Cafe. We, have, we paid off our Dream Center over here. Hallelujah. We, our next plans are right in here are to have offices across the parking because this place is full all week long. This is not a church that's closed on the, during the week and it, we show up on Sunday. And, oh, this is not a vacant building. You've seen those. Not here. We're, we're doing ministry all week long. You come in, it's packed. It's full house, and there's not enough room for your leadership to actually plan out the future. So that's what we're working on right there. And then, and then also a huge playground for the kids to have a lot of fun. Guess what? Guess what? We trick y'all with that. Because these kids come to Whataburger or Cotton Patch, and they're driving down the road, and they're like, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy, that church has a, a playground. I want to go there. And they're like, oh, man, you're going to make me go to church. Oh, it works. Let me just tell you. Your kids drag you in, and then the Holy Spirit moves, your hearts change, your marriage is better, and all the things start to flourish. Hallelujah. You're welcome. <laughs> but hey, let's, let's talk about, though, before we can do this, let's talk about how to be set free from this mammon, all right? In Malachi 3.6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. Good news. He's not going to change tomorrow. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. I just want to remind you that we're not discussing anything that is under the law. This principle came right, after, right out of the garden, after the garden. Adam and Eve, they had a son, two sons. One was Cain, one was Abel. Abel brought in a first fruits offering of all his produce, all his increase, and God honored him. Then we see, in Ab we see Abraham, our father of faith, who he's a father of our faith. Can we just get it any more clear? 500 years before the Mosaic law came into place, he's walking through the desert after war, have all this riches, spoils as the scriptures call it, and he sees a king, a priest called Melchizedek, and he gives him a tenth of everything. This is where you see the tithe come into place. And it's under faith, not law. It's by faith he did it because he honored him. And can I tell you in the same place, if you read this last Saturday in Hebrews 7 in our 21 days of prayer reading, you would see that this is a shadow type of Jesus to come. And it literally says when you bring in your, your tithes and your offerings that Jesus is receiving though you're giving to men. Oh, there's so much there. Let me go. Here we go here. So he says, return to me. Meaning, when I'm not tithing, I'm walking away from Jesus. I'm walking away from God. I'm choosing my own way, but I want to be in your house. And I will return to you. Anybody ever have that parent that says, uh-uh, that's my refrigerator. You can close that door. You can go buy your own milk. <laughs> and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But, if you, but you ask, how will we return to you? Will, you, will a mere mortal rob God? He says, yet you robbed me. But you ask, how are, you rob how are we robbing you? God clearly says in tithes and offerings. By not bringing in the tithes and the offerings. He says, you are under a curse. And again, a curse is a stronghold. A stronghold is a curse. And if you've yet to identify that, you may not realize that. But the stronghold that you're wrestling with, let me tell you, it's not from God. It's not purpose from God. It's not, it's not an attribute of God. It's not, a, it's not something for you to defend and make more of your identity. Well, I just got a bad anger problems. That's just who I am. My daddy was that way. My granddaddy. No, that's a stronghold. 
Your daddy had that stronghold. Your granddaddy had that stronghold. You got a stronghold. But God can set you free from that thing. But it's going to take surrender. It's going to take some yielding. It's going to take some letting go. It's going to take some letting go of your truth for his truth. He says, you robbed me in tithes and offerings, and yet you are under a curse, the whole nation, because you're robbing me again and again. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The 10%, the tithe means 10%. Why 10? Because it's a test. All throughout scripture, 10 is a test. Trace it from Genesis to Revelation. Anytime you see 10, you see the number, anything grouped in 10, people in 10, it's always a test involved. The whole tithe, meaning bring in the whole tithe to the place where you worship and you get ministry so that there be food for everybody. Test me now in this, he says. This is the one place you can test God. Every other place, don't test God. Here, test God. In this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be, not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop fruit before, before it is ripe. Here's what was happening. So you plow and plow and plow. And you grow and grow and grow. And boy, you see, though, you're sitting back, ooh, look at those fresh tomatoes of everywhere. It's just nice, green tomatoes. I can't wait till they turn red, get ready to pick. And before they turn red, they're just dropping. You say it this way, you're working and working and working. And you're earning and earning and earning. However, like Haggai said, it's like I got money in my pockets, but somehow it gets out and I don't know where it's at. Can I just tell you, you're not tithing. That 10% is going somewhere. Somebody's getting it, and you're not actually benefiting from it. Something's going to break down. Something's going to get lost, stolen. There's a financial issue. There's a health issue. There's some kind of problem. It's not going to stay in your account. But you start, you start trusting God with it. Not only will he bless that, but he'll add to that. Now, I'm going to tell you, let me just tell you, yes, yes. Then, all the, then all the nations will call you blessed. Then there's people like, well, it must be the Lord, because I know them. <laughs> mm -mm, that, that must be Jesus is blessing them. That ain't, they don't have it. They don't, mm -mm. I know him from grade school. Like, I watched him growing up. That, mm -mm, that ain't, mm -mm. I will take the blessings of the Lord over my own, my own well-being, my own, my own abilities any day. And I'm going to be completely transparent with you, too. Eight years, I mean, uh, 15 years ago, uh, when I started tithing, like, I started tithing over everything that I earned, and that, that's just been the rule of my life. And for 15 years, I've watched God bless my life increasingly, abundantly, more than I can imagine, think, or ask. Ten years ago, I got married to my beautiful wife, Allie, and about nine, eight, eight or nine years ago, we started above the tithe. We started asking the Lord at the beginning of the year, Lord, what do you want us to give above and beyond? I think the first year was like a half percent. That's a stretch for us. There's only one income, and it wasn't much income coming in. Ten and a half percent. We tithe, and then we got a little half percent that we're going to go above. So if you got ten dollars, that's ten fifty. You know, ten fifty. It's a hundred dollars you make. Ten dollars and fifty cents. And so then the next year, another half percent, one percent. Then the next year, whatever it was, and whatever it was, about three years ago, we just quit counting. Instead, we just started making life life adjustments. But we held to the amount at the, by that time we were giving seventeen percent, ten percent tithe. 7% over the tithe. Great. I was telling my, some of my senior staff the other day about a couple weeks ago, and then I started doing the math last week, and I realized, wait a minute, no, for the last six months, we've actually been given 22%. I don't miss it. 
I don't miss it. It's a value to me because look around here. I can tell you testimonies about half, well, over half the people in here and how God has changed their lives. And I get to partake in that because when I bring in the above and the beyond, then I get to see lives change. I've got evidence. I could just sit here and point people out and how God has blessed them through this pattern and we've helped them through it. I can stand firm because I have history with God. I can stand confident telling you something into the future while you're living now in the present. Back to the future, you ever seen that? Let me just tell you. Let me just say, if I were your past, listen, it works. It works. But not as a religion, as a relationship. Now, I've always heard the two, these two narratives when it comes to the tithe. One, one is... And I don't know how God does it. He just does it, and he, he comes through. And all the tithers say, that's right. And then uh, there's this other piece that says, well, I, Pastor Nathan, I just can't afford the tithe. And can I say, until you tithe, you'll never be able to afford to tithe because it's the tithe that breaks the back of mammon, spirit of mammon over your finances. <laughs> Uh, there's a guy in here right now that was in the red every week, but he de- began to tithe anyway, knowing he was going to be even more in the red because that's what God says, and now he's living above and beyond. Let me just tell you, it works. God blesses. He comes through. Can I say this, and I shouldn't, and I'm probably going to get some slander from it. Why would you come in to worship somebody you can't trust to provide for you? Because that's what you're saying every time you refuse the tithe. Not, no, no, God, I don't trust you yet. I'm just telling you his word. <laughs> but number one, here's what he says to do. Return the first. In Deuteronomy 14, 22 and 23, says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year, so that you may learn to revere. Remember we talked about this back in December, the spirit of the, the, spirit of the fear of the Lord. Well, it's humility, and God honors humility. And he honors those who honor him. If we have reverence by honoring him in the tenth, he's going to honor us in, front, in, the, in, the, in the public sector. Remember, you don't have to buy all the car. You don't have to buy the new clothes. He's going to honor you in the public sector. He's going to bring it. 1 Corinthians 6, 2. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money. That would be Sunday. Set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Save it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. The percentage is a percentage of your income that's equal for all people. A tenth is a tithe. A tithe is a tenth. So if you make 100000 10,000 is just as hard for the person who makes 100 and has to give 10. It's a tenth. That's why it's a test. It's no different from anybody. It's not, he wasn't thinking about socioeconomic status. Well, they're going to make 100,000, so I probably need to make it 3% for them. And they're going to make 3,000, so I need to make it 10%. No, it's, it's, it's a test to see, can you trust God in this? And he also says, hey, you, you collect it, you save it so that he can collect. Let, let me just tell you, we don't pass a collection plate, plate in here. There's no buckets, there's no little bags, no cute little velvet bags, no plush bags. There's nothing, none, none of that. I have a funny joke that I don't, want to, I don't have time to tell you right now. We have, we have block, black boxes. We got boxes all throughout. It's responsibility of a Christian to come in, set it aside, write it, use a QR code, whatever it is, and bring it. That's why God says to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, not make, make, make the pastor pull it from you. <laughs> it's not what he says. Where's y'all's, where's y'all's sense of humor right now, huh? <laughs> Little tense in this room. Second one is this, steward the rest. 
Like there's some great budget tools that will help you plan your finances. Mint.com, everydollar.com. Like you plan your budget out and you'll see, man, I don't have money to go to the club. I don't have money for those boots. I don't have money. Then don't go. <laughs> don't starve so that you can go look good somewhere. Like it's already planned. And when there's vision, God will bring provision. And so have vision for your finances. Let it already be accounted for before you start to go spend it so that God can bless it. Because he doesn't just bless the tithe. He blesses tithes with good stewardship. All right. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. I don't have a plan. I'm not budgeting. Hasty spending. Poverty. I don't know why I can't get out of this cycle. Um, I can help you. And speaking of that, get in a financial class. We got some people that can help you with that. They're, they're willing to just walk this whole plan out with you and help you to find freedom in the area of financial, uh, finances so you can have financial hope in your life. We are there for you like that. Problem is, pride, independence, I don't want anybody to know I'm not financially doing good because I got it all put together. So you stay in a cycle and mammon continues to run your life and you're not willing to break strongholds all because of what somebody else might think. Doesn't it matter what God thinks? Isn't that why we're here? Isn't that, isn't that why the church exists to help other people through their issues and their strongholds and their problems and their circumstances? You better believe it. Let's talk about how to break the back of mammon real quick. Luke 12, 16 and 21 says, this is Jesus telling a, ter a parable, a terrible parable, a parable. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. You ever had that problem? You just got so much money, just no place to put it. Sad. Bless his heart. Then he said, oh, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger, bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grains. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for yourself. Everybody's going to admire you. You know what I'll do? I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to be merry. And look, he erroneously thought just because he had plenty of wealth, he had plenty of time. That's what mammon does. It, it starts to think, make you think you equate with God. You're on God's time. When mammon is your fortified city, oh, you are God. You won't admit it, but you won't yield to this one. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded for you, from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Can I tell you, there's a proverb that says, the wealth of the unrighteous is stored up for the righteous. Boy, I'm going to lean on the righteous side all my days because I can't wait for the wealth of the unrighteous to come upon me. Because <laughs> it's a promise. It's a promise. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. This is how it will be for those who refuse to bring in tithes and offerings. This is how it would be when people don't steward money my way, God says. 
You think you got it all? I'll take that too. We don't want to know those things about God, but let me tell you, he's a loving God. And if he does it, it's to bless you. If he does it, it's to bring you back to him. If he does it, it's so he can have your whole heart. It's where your treasure is. So too is your heart. And we've taught you that to see that the most fulfilled life on earth is lives changed and souls set free. All the while looking forward to the true riches that are in heaven. Boy, that's, that just sums up the message right here. Because as I use this unrighteous mammon according to God's ways, souls are getting set free. Lives are being changed in this house, in the nations and where we go, in the places we have influence, in the prisons that we minister to. And when Joey gets to heaven, there's going to be some dudes in white. And it's not Christian. Y'all see Christian back there playing the keyboard? I was like, how come they don't have his face blurred out? Oh, that's, that's our worship leader, Pastor. <laughs> don't wear white to prison ministry. <laughs> but focus on true riches. Focus on true riches. I'm telling you, I can stand here with history. God will bless you immeasurably in all areas of your life. I want to pray for you. Can I pray for you? I just know the Holy Spirit is speaking, and what's most important is what you hear from Him. So, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you speak to your people, break through the confusion, settle this battle, show yourself victorious, fulfill your promises, encourage them to test you in this, pour out blessings, open the windows of heaven so that we don't have barns enough to fill it, so that we are bound and determined to give it away for your purposes, your people, your good, for your kingdom. And Lord, we just thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing us to be a part of this. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can I get a good amen? Thank you for an excellent teaching, Pastor Nathan. And here's one more thing. We want to invite you into three things this week. We are still in prayer and fasting mode. We're on the last leg of the journey, and what an incredible journey it's been. There are testimonies in this house already that are so uplifting and so amazing, and we want to invite you into it. First, be praying and fasting at home. Join us. Secondly, if you want to join us here at 6 a.m., we are doing this thing at 6 a.m., Monday through Friday, an hour of worship and prayer. You can come in and out as you want to, or you can be here the whole time. We invite you, though, into that process. And third, I would love for you to fill out one of these cards. If you have a prayer concern, we want to hear it. You have to know that we're family and we're praying over these cards. We love you and we are praying for your breakthrough. And as we do that, we want to invite our ministry team forward. We have a prayer team that wants to come into agreement with what God is doing in your heart. When the Holy Spirit is moving and doing things, He says, come on, let's do this. This is our connection point. So we invite our team forward and we invite you forward as well. But as you depart today, we bless you. May you have an incredible week ahead. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you my, my life verse. I just wanna pray it over you, Ephesians 3.20. Now to he who is able to do incredibly more than you could ever ask or imagine according to his spirit that is at work within you. Bless you and have an incredible week.